You're listening to The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Oh, yeah, we're back. And so is Cold Steel on Ice, almost. It is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios. Uh, Brian, how are you doing? I didn't think we'd be doing a show on July 25th, but I'm certainly happy we are. The Hawks were handed a gift from the hockey gods with with this playoff mulligan. Well, I'm not uh, doing too bad for a guy who was unfit to uh, broadcast two days ago, but uh, it was just maintenance. I'm okay, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, how about that? Uh, amazingly, the Blackhawks, the Rangers, the Montreal Canadiens all eked into the playoffs because guess what? It all comes down to the mighty dollar, but we're happy because it, our Hawks got in there. So the Blackhawks will travel to Edmonton tomorrow. They'll take 31 players. They will uh, face off against the Oilers in a best-of-five qualifying round. Game one is a week from today. And the big story, Brian, the last two weeks of training camp is Corey Crawford. He has yet to practice with the team like you, unfit to uh, to play <laughs> or unfit to broadcast. Uh, but we did get uh, a report yesterday out of Canada. Mark Spector of Sportsnet said that Crawford is on the Blackhawks list of 31 players that are going to go to Edmonton. So my understanding is Crawford returned to Chicago this week. The team is holding out hope that he'll play against Edmonton. We'll see if he practices today at 11 o'clock. But let's say he's been skating since Wednesday, Brian. Where's your confidence that he can be ready for game one a week from today? Well, look, my confidence in the Blackhawks getting through the playing round without him is pretty much nil. So if you can get 70% of Corey Crawford, you know, God bless Malcolm Subban and uh, Colin Delia and the rest of the uh, committee who would have to try to figure out how to fill in for him, you, you're not going anywhere without without Crow being near the top of his game or at least able to participate. So um, it, it's good news. I mean, it was shocking news to me because uh, for a guy, as you said, hasn't been seen on the ice. Doesn't mean he hasn't been working on the ice himself. We've, you know, other players during the uh, the time off found ways to find ice and, and do things on their own. So here's hoping that Crow's doing that as well. But you know, as Jonathan Taves said yesterday or the other day, for whatever reason, uh, Corey Crawford seems to be able to just hop right back into things and, and play, you know, above what everyone's expectations are. So if that's the case, great, because they're going to need him. That is the real question. Like, what what kind of shape did Corey keep himself over the pause? I know they had their second child. He spent time both here in Chicago and in Quebec. Um, the unfit to play, a lot of people... Yeah. don't understand that term. That was collectively bargained by the Players Association and the NHL owners uh, during the return to play and when they ratified the new CBA. They were looking to protect players that uh, are affected by COVID-19, and they wanted to come up with a term so that they didn't have to divulge uh Medical information, yeah, Yeah, positive test. But it it leads to speculation. I understand. Immediately, the first thing you think of, oh, he must be, he must have COVID and he'll be quarantined for two weeks at minimum. And here's hoping he doesn't have symptoms. Right. And so if that is the case, you know, for the last two weeks, he wasn't able to probably get on the ice and certainly wasn't able to see shots. So, you know, 
you, you've got one practice today. They leave for Edmonton tomorrow. Monday, they're off. They practice yeah, they'll, on... Yeah, they'll practice in Edmonton when they land tomorrow, right? Yes, they'll practice yeah. tomorrow. I asked Jeremy Colleton yesterday because, you know, you've got 12 teams descending on Edmonton, and, and because they've set up this bubble-like situation, what would ice time be like to to get Corey out there? Even though the team's off on Monday, Corey needs all the reps he can get. They said there's no problem with that. Not only are they able to use Rogers. There's a uh, practice facility connected to the Oilers' home. There's also a rink 25 miles or so from uh, the hotel area that is within their, uh, you know, location that they're able to travel to. Have so, you ever been to Edmonton, Pat? I have not been to Edmonton, no. Uh, well, you're missing. I actually found a little bit of charm in that city, even though when I was there with the Hawks, it was 40 below. And I mean, <laughs> without the wind chill. I'm telling you, 40 below Fahrenheit. So everyone would stay at the hotel, and there would be one bar maybe two-thirds of a block away, Sherlock Holmes. Okay. You'd see the referees in there. You'd see the players in there, the front office staff, the coaching staff, certainly the reporters. Uh, so it made for a, uh, a, a, a quaint little get-together you know, after games or off days. But I, Sherlock Holmes was at the pub. It's still there, I believe. And I remember... There's not much to do, and it, it, one the hotel we stayed at was connected to a shopping center, and you went underground to get to the shopping center. We actually played miniature golf when it was 40 below outside, inside the shopping center. But uh, I got to know the bartender slash doorman at Sherlock Holmes. He became a, a friend for you know last 30 years. He texted me when they were going to have when he heard that they could be the uh, hub city. He said that's one of the the beauties of Edmonton. Nothing wants to come here, not even a virus. <laughs> Well, I don't think uh, any of the boys will be frequenting uh, Sherlock Holmes Pub this week or the next couple of weeks, yeah, at least. That's off limits, right? That is. I, I, I don't. I don't think that'll be part of the equation. I do think there will be some golf that has been set up. Give us a call three one two three three two three seven seven six. Do you think Corey Crawford will be ready one week from today? You can listen to the show, the Hockey Show podcast, on the uh, ESPN Chicago app available at Apple and Google Play Store as well. So uh, the other story that came out yesterday, Brian, was that Brent Seabrook will not be going with the team to Edmonton. I give him a ton of credit Mm -hmm. for trying to get his body ready to play after shoulder surgery and two hip surgeries in December, January, and February. This was kind of a, a Seabrook pushing the envelope call, trying to get well and get healthy enough to play and join his team but he decided that it it just wasn't in the cards his mobility wasn't quite there and while this was a good test for him and it was probably good for him ultimately for next season he didn't want to take up a spot so uh, he is not going to be a part of the equation for the return to play for the Blackhawks but Yesterday, it was more about kind of what his future looks like with the Blackhawks. And what did you take from that? Well, you know, I, I, I was wondering what your take was because I'm reading between the lines. And he and uh, Jeremy Colleton met on the ice at the end. Of, and you were there, it, you know, at the end of the practice, had a rather long discussion. But both of their comments were, I mean, they weren't exactly all uh, seashells and balloons. Right. I, you know, and we'll, we'll take a listen to what Seabrook had to say, but... Immediately, I thought his Brett Seabrook played his last game for the Blackhawks because 
he and the coach obviously didn't see eye to eye back in the fall when he was a healthy scratch. Since the injury and coming back, you know, he he intimated yesterday that he didn't get a whole lot of time or, or you know, that Colleton didn't give him as much rope as he's given other players. So, you know, we know what the contract is. He brought it up yesterday when talking to reporters that he's certainly aware that people talk about the contract at 35 years, how much he has left, the no movement clause. But if I was betting today, I don't think he's, you know, on this roster next year and Obviously, he has to agree to that, but I'm, it sounded like he might be getting going down that road to to wanting a change of address. Yeah, I I, I disagree with you there. I, mm-hmm. I um so so here's a few things that came out yesterday just about his health, and this is something that you know I, I don't think fans uh, tend to re- because it's kept away from us. You know, players don't want to let us know that they're hurt. Right. So Seabrook said that you know. He got hurt in juniors. He got hurt his first year in the NHL. And he got his his shoulder was pretty messed up. And there was a point in time early on in his career here in Chicago where he had to make a decision of of is he going to continue to keep going under the knife with the soldier with the shoulder or is he going to strengthen that and try to get as he said 10 good years out of it. Well, it turns out he got almost 15, and he's and he jokingly said, "You can decide if some of those yeah. how were, many were good, were good or yeah. not." Yeah, but some the, were some were great. The, the The point was, you know, he's not able to throw a ball to his his son. He was unable to sleep the last five years, and while I think a lot of people thought, "Oh, this is an excuse," you know, this is an. Uh, you know, the, the conspiracy theorists who who believe Hosa's situation is not. Uh, you know, kosher and that there's something up with that, which is not true at all, that, uh, you know, this is an excuse to to have Seabrook not be a part of the team and somehow they're going to get out of the last four years of his deal. Uh, no, he went in, got the, the both hips fixed, got the shoulder fixed, and he feels he's on the road to recovery. He thinks he can be an impact player. He said yesterday, I still think I am one of the best defensemen in this locker room. So he's a prideful guy. I know that the numbers haven't exactly been on his been in his favor the last few years, but maybe these surgeries and with a commitment from Seabrook that he'll be able to be a really solid fifth or sixth defenseman next year. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Well, you know, here's the thing, Pat. If he were to be moved, one, he has to agree, but two, the Hawks are going to take a financial bath. So, I mean, there's really no optimal solution here. And look, I've been dealing with a a shoulder, a couple shoulders the last couple months, and he's right about the lack of sleep. You roll over on that, you're up with this. You know, if he's been really losing sleep for years, I mean, it's amazing that he's gotten to this point in his career and kind of muscled through it. Or shoulder through it, uh, so it's it's you know I give my hats off to him for that. But fact of the matter is, you know he got that contract for being a superstar during the postseasons, and since they haven't been in the postseason the last few years, and his game has obviously declined, it is the, the you know the number one question for Stan Bowman. It, you know, with with the salary cap not going up, and in fact it could go down with loss of loss of revenue this year. You know, what do you do with it, and how do you move forward? by, you know, making the best of a really bad situation. 
No question. With four years left, his cap hit is six point almost nine million dollars a year. He's got right. the no trade clause, as you mentioned. Uh, they're not going to buy him out. That is not in their favor at all, the way this contract is structured. So unless Brent believes it's better for him to move on, I I would bet uh, pretty much everything I have that number seven will be in the lineup next year when the Blackhawks start up again, whether that's December or January remains to be seen. Coming up later in the show, Eddie Olchek will join us. He'll be behind the mics for NBC and NBC Sports Chicago. He will have the uh, first game with Doc Emmerich a week from tomorrow. That'll be on NBC5, and then he'll have the rest with Pat Foley on NBC Sports Chicago. We'll get his thoughts on the matchup, whether or not he thinks Corey Crawford can Get into playoff shape in less than a week. That's all coming up. And the Hockey Show is presented by Coors Light. Be prepared for the playoffs by making a beer run from your couch. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN 1000, the Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. He's a guy that just brings so much energy and just makes it a lot more fun to be around the rink. Uh, Just uh, a good guy and and funny and and supportive and uh, just an all-time teammate and obviously one of our captains. So uh, he'll be, he has been and will continue to be a guy that will be missed. That's Connor Murphy on Brent Seabrook, who will not be with the Blackhawks when they make their way to Edmonton tomorrow. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We are back. Hockey is back. It'll start this week. On Wednesday, the Blackhawks will have their one exhibition game in Edmonton against the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. You can see that game on NBC Sports Chicago, 530 Puck drop on that one. We'll get you ready in the pregame show at 5. With Brian those, Hanley, Zamb- those Zamboni drivers are going to be busy, aren't they? They, they are going to be very busy. With uh, It's going to have a, a tournament feel to yeah. it. right? Like There's like NCAA regional. Game, game, game. Three games in each barn. Uh, so you're going to have six games a day. So from about 11 a.m. Chicago time till probably close to 12.30. And again, that's barring... Uh, you know, no massive overtimes. Just think if we factor that into the equation. Because they turned the water off at Rogers Center yet? They did. They got. Flooding? Did you see that? That was oh, that was a little dicey. <laughs> they had some severe uh, storms in Edmonton last week, and there's pictures and video of water just cascading into the Oilers Arena there at Rogers. But they apparently have got that. Figured out, and uh, yeah, the return to play will happen as uh, the NHL makes their way to Edmonton. So we heard from uh, Connor Murphy there on on Brent Seabrook. By the way, Murphy yeah. tweaked his groin in the second practice a little over a little under two weeks ago. So they've been easing him back into the lineup. Kelvin Dahan uh, had a uh, a family emergency over the last week. He is back with the team. So. I think the pairings with Seabrook out of the equation are going to be Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist, Kelvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy, and then Ole Mata and Slater Cuckoo will be 
your uh, your six D men when the Blackhawks take the ice next Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. That really is the and we can talk all we want about goaltending and, and yeah, <laughs> you better get the job done before they get to well, the uh, crease. Not to get too hockey stat geeky on you, but let me throw some some numbers at you that show the importance of Corey Crawford, all right? The Hawks, before the pause, gave up the most inner slot shots against in the league. The most. The most slot passes against in the league. The most cycle chances against. They had the highest expected goals against at 3.32. But here's the catch. Corey Crawford was seventh best in the league in goals saved above expectation. So he saved the Hawks almost a half goal per start. And Robin Leonard was was right in that team photo as well. Hmm. So they were basically defending. I think there's only two teams in the NHL that were in their defensive zone more than the Blackhawks. They were giving up the most quality opportunities to their opponent. But they... It wasn't reflective in the stats because of the great goaltending they had. That's how important Corey Crawford was to this team during the first part of the regular season. And when we went back to our last show all those months ago, um, you know, talking about Mal- Malcolm Subban was just a, he was a body. He was a throw-in in the deal, right. right? Yes. And then here we go. It's an opp- opportunity of a lifetime. He's telling you, he look, he's putting in the time apparently – you you've been out there watching. I mean, is it a slam dunk that he would be the the guy starting between the pipes uh, for game one, or one of these young guys? Do you, do you rather get one of these young guys up and running and get him some more playoff experience and see where it goes? Well, here it is. They're all they're all young. They, they, right. Nobody has experience. Uh, Malcolm Subban. I think it's a, it's a two horse race. It's between Subban and Colin Delia. Now, as you mentioned, you know when when Subban join the Blackhawks after the trade deadline move that sent Robin Leonard to Vegas, he only got into uh, like 15 seconds worth of of action. So that kind of told you, you know, at that point, the Blackhawks were in must-win mode to try to sneak in as the eighth seed. Um, So Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, Kevin Lankin, and none of them have played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Corey Crawford has more playoff experience than those goalies combined have regular season experience. So this to me is down to Subban and Colin Delia. Nobody has separated themselves thus far in the uh, the two weeks of training camp. At times, I love the athleticism of Subban, especially on breakaways, getting post to post, covering the back door on uh, power play drills that they do. Uh, but when you watch him, he's and he gets in his crouch, he he's just doesn't take up a ton of the net. And there's there's a lot of open area, and sometimes he struggles with the longer shots. If you remember, Colin Delia was with the Blackhawks a couple of seasons ago, and he got his feet wet. He had a good stretch with the Blackhawks. He also then went to Rockford and took them to the Western Conference Finals of the Calder Cup. So he's got a little bit of... Now, again, it's AHL compared to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but he's got some playoff experience where he's taken his team uh, on his back for a a couple of months. 
So I think it's down to those two, and I think the jury is still out, Brian, if they're going to go with either Subban or Delia. And and the problem here is this. You would like both those guys to get uh, experience against the Blues on Wednesday night, but if you're trying to ramp up Corey Crawford, you absolutely need to get him in there too. So, Well, that that was my point, Pat. I mean, we still don't know if Corey's going to be here next year or not. Out of contract, we were talking about that. You know, what's he looking for in money? What can they afford? Is is next year's starting goalie on this roster or in the organization as we speak? So if you've identified, whether it's Delia, Subban, one of the other young guys that you think is going to be the guy ultimately, is it as important to get him, even though this is a, you know, a weird type playoff situation, it is playoff hockey, Do you, is it as important to get that guy experience moving forward or are you just trying to get through a play-in series and go as far as you can go? I think the latter. I think they're really trying to... They've been given an unbelievable opportunity here. They had they had less than 3% chance when the pause right. button hit on March 12th of making the Stanley Cup playoffs. They had less than 3% chance. They get this gift from the hockey gods that puts them in this qualifying round against uh, the five-seed Oilers. And... It's a best of five, which, again, shorter the series, the more opportunity for upset. But to me, you needed Corey Crawford in that crease to to pull this thing off. So I I, I it comes and, and, and there's still, you know, there's still the longest of long shots to, to win the whole thing at 100 to one with the Canadians who also got the gift from the hockey gods in New York. So but, you know, for the series itself. I mean the the Hawks are not. I mean they're they're only plus one thirty five. You know that they're, they're not the longest of shots to win a play a play in series. Right, right. I I I think this hinges upon whether or not Corey can go. Now I could see, I could see an instance where next Saturday Subban or Delia starts, and you know let's say they they don't come up on the winning side of that. I could see Corey. Uh, you know, on Monday, start in game two and give him those extra two days or so mm-hmm. to get up to speed and hope that that is some sort of lift. But if you go down to love to Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl and the Oilers. Good luck. Good luck. Is uh, there they, home ice advantage? You know, <laughs> I, I will just say this creature comforts. I mean, they're going to be yeah. in, in their dressing room, but they are going to be. Like the other 11 teams, they're going to be sequestered in that same hotel. So they're going to be under the same guidelines and restrictions that the rest of the teams are under. But yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no, uh, there's obviously no crowd. It's interesting. I don't know if you saw any of the, the mock, uh, drawings of what the NHL has done in both hub cities, Brian, but it's similar to what they've done in Orlando, the NBA. They've kind of reconstructed the, the uh, the arena setting, so you don't see blank and empty seats. Uh, they've got LED lights that are that are expansive, like a stage that's almost behind each bench, with like you know video game type graphics going and things of that nature. So it's it's a real clean look, and it's not going to look like uh, 
you know, you got a bunch of guys on the ice with uh, an empty arena and you're you're waiting to hear the Zamboni start up in the corner. Aren't they going to borrow Fox's fake crowd that they're using? They are, yeah. Games? I yeah. think EA Sports they're going to yeah. uh they're going to put that in there as well. So, uh it'll be interesting. I think the key to this series is special teams. And we're oh, absolutely. Oh. I mean, the Oilers had historically one of the best power plays in the NHL, you have to go back like 30 years to find one that put up the production that the Oilers did. Again, that was four and a half months ago. So where is that unit coming back? Well, look, even if there's some regression there, there's still a potent lineup. And I mean, to me, that is where this series is going to be decided. So we'll get Eddie Olchek's thought on that. Get your thoughts as well. 312 332 Three seven seven six. It's a hockey show on ESPN One Thousand. Chicago's home for sports. Now by your side through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN One Thousand. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios. It is our pleasure to bring in the one and only Eddie Olchek. He joins us now on the Corona Hotline. Good morning, Edzo. How you doing? Hey, PB. Brian, nice to be with you guys. And uh, nice to be talking some, uh, nice to be talking hockey in, uh, in the middle of July. <laughs> it's uh, hard to believe that we're going to, hopefully, hopefully, we all know what's going on in the real world and certainly sending our well wishes and prayers to everybody out there that's been affected by this virus. I mean, we've all been affected by it, but you know, the health obviously. So, uh, we got a chance of seeing the Stanley Cup presented at the end of September or early October. (laughs) And, uh, which is really just kind of crazy, but, uh, it's the hand we've all been dealt. And I think that the league has done, uh, I think the league has done really an unbelievable job from day one of the pause. Um, it's it's uh, the commissioner with the leadership there, the deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, the board of governors, the player association, the return to play committee to get to this stage. And uh, they've always said it and they continue to say it is the first and foremost, most important things to Paramount is the health of the, of the everybody involved, not just the players, but the coaches and the trainers and, you know, the, the frontline workers that are going to be there because every team is going to probably have a, a list of five or six medical professionals on their, on their 51 man uh, or woman uh, roster. And, uh, but it's just great to be talking hockey with you guys and uh, I'm getting ready to uh, pack up and ship out for a while. And uh, hopefully we can see this thing through. Hey, Edzo, uh, what, what will the quality of hockey be like in the first week or so? Do you have any idea? Well, this is uncharted territories, right? Obviously, but look, the, the only thing that I can compare it to, and uh, you know, you remember back in the day, uh, and some of our uh, some of our older listeners out there will remember the, uh, the the Canada Cups that they would have in in, in the in the, in August and September, right before the starts of NHL seasons. And I, I was lucky enough to play in three Canada Cups in 84, 87, and 91. And so that would mean is you play your regular season, you finish the Stanley Cup, and then you would come back to training camps in the middle of August. You'd practice for 10 days. You'd play a couple exhibition games, and then you're going up and playing the World Cup of Hockey. I mean, that's what it was. So I think for a lot of these guys, and they've played in in the World Cup of Hockey that they've had over the course of the last handful of years and, and what have you. So 
today's player, obviously today's athlete, much better condition than in, in, in my era. But I think I think it's got a chance to be great, Brian. I do. Look at is it going to be floppy at times? Yeah, but you know what? I think it's got a chance to be unbelievable because, as I heard you guys earlier, in particular the Hawks, they got one exhibition game against St. Louis, and then the first game is like it's a must. Like, you know, so you're going to get right into it. And, like, I think it's got a chance to be really, really entertaining. And, uh, look, I I hope it's the only time we ever see this in our lifetime and for future generations. Uh, But I think think it's got a chance to be really impactful and entertaining because of how important, obviously, these qualifying games are. And uh, a best of five, I played in the era when they were best of five. Brian, I think you were covering me back in the day. Yeah. You have the best of five. If you don't win game one, and I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna predict here, if I can. I, like I really believe that game one of those qualifying rounds, the five versus twelve, you know, the six versus eleven, et cetera, uh, and the Blackhawks obviously in that one against the Oilers starting uh, a week from today, is I believe is that game one is it's not a must, but it's an mus. And I'm getting ready to cross the teeth. Like, I, I believe that. And I, and I think that and I'm going to set the over-under at whoever wins game one in those qualifying rounds. There's eight series. Whoever wins game one, I believe that at least it'll be six. Whoever wins game one, six of those teams will win that round. So I think wow. it's absolutely paramount. And uh, you got to get out to a good start. We know it. And we always talk about it every year, right? you got to get good goaltending, right? you got to get good goaltending. It's got to be consistent. You gotta have hockey health. You gotta be healthy. You gotta stay away from the hip flexors and the groins and obviously the big injuries. And and adding into the equation now, and we I mean really you've never I shouldn't say never, but it's very rare that in in talking about injuries or health, anybody's ever said that, well, you know, this team's gotta stay away from the flu bug or this team's gotta stay away from a certain virus, right? I mean we nobody knew, but now we know so you have to stay away from COVID-19. And if you can do that, you give yourselves a chance. And anybody that I've talked to, whether it's locally here with the Hawks uh, or nationally around the league, um, everybody's mindset is, hey, why not us? Why not? But you got to get off to a good start. And certainly Corey Crawford would help that to to be in the net a week from today in Edmonton. So reports are he's a part of the 31 that are going to travel to uh, Edmonton tomorrow. The question is this. How big a challenge is it to get Corey Crawford ready for playoff-type game one speed mm-hmm. in basically a week? Have you ever had to, to get a a goalie up and running in a tight window like this? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's happened where you've had guys that have been out for extended period of time. Again, I, I don't know. Crow has been on the ice. I don't know what kind of condition that he is in as far as off the ice. But look at Bry, uh, PB, uh, if it's me, and having a say in this call is, look, at if, if Corey Crawford can get on the ice the next couple of days, play that full game Wednesday night, uh, he's playing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, not only because of the experience factor, but he gives you the best chance to win. And I think the impact that it would have on the rest of the team if he is in that net. And, you know, look, at again, nobody knows. I don't know. But if he hasn't been on the ice at all and he needs, you know, practice today, skate in Edmonton tomorrow, you know, they got the – I heard your PB talking about they got the practice facility right next door. I'm sure there's going to be ice available if he needs to get on the ice that day. Tuesday he can practice. Wednesday he plays the whole game. 
you know, you, you get him ready, and, and he plays on Saturday. And that that would be me. Um, it's not an easy. It's not an easy ask. Uh, but Crow is, uh, you know, I think he's earned it. I think he's proved it, and uh, he's the best guy for the job, regardless if he's been skating or not. And uh, but it'll be a, it'll be a challenge. I mean, it's not going to be easy. But I just think that there's, you know, I think there's a lot to coming to the eventual uh, equation of saying that if he's there and he's available and he can step on the bats and uh, it's your net Crow and, and whatever happens. And you know, we'll see. We'll see if he's uh, on the ice, and maybe we'll get an update of you know how how much he's been on the ice after this at all and, and how he's feeling. And, you know, and, and look at, we've all crammed for a test or two in our lifetime. So, uh, Crow's going to have to do that uh, here in the next, uh, you know, yeah, in a week from now, which is really unbelievable that we're going to have game one between the Hawks and the Oilers. And, and Pat was talking about special teams and how special the, yeah. uh, the Edmonton Oilers are historically. The Hawks did have a, a very respectable PK, uh, the 10th or so when the season yeah. was suspended. Obviously, we know the struggles of the power play. How does that play out as uh, you move into this uh, play-in series? Yeah, Brian, you know, I, I, mean, I heard PB just touch on it a little bit. You know, I, I love when uh, when I get on the World Wide Web and uh, I see people writing articles about, oh, wow, you know, their, their analytic numbers against the Oilers are, you know, number two in the league and, and their Corsi numbers, their puck possession is so good. And that's why they're whatever happened four months ago is absolutely irrelevant. It, re- it really is. Like, this is a new season, and, you know, it, it could go one way. I mean, it, it, you could be on a teeter-totter, and you could be really high one, you know, period or whatever, and all of a sudden just go back and, and go back to having a tough specialty team or a great specialty team, and you can go back the other way. So, look, at you don't want to take penalties, obviously, bad penalties. You're going to take them. I mean, it's just the way that it is. I mean, Edmonton has got some guys up front, and we know who they are, and Dreisaitl and McDavid. Um, you know, their back end is, I think, I think their back end's a little underrated. I, I do. I think that they're pretty mobile. They've gotten healthy here. Um, you know, and, and, and obviously we know with Kaner to be the guy. I mean, everything's going to go through him, and it'll be interesting to see how Dave Tippett, the head coach of the Oilers, decides to try to, you know, defend, and I would assume that uh, Jeremy Colleton knows that, you know, look, at they're going to probably try to zero everything on Kaner, and then it's an opportunity for other guys, you know, whether it's the Taves line or the Dock line right now, the way it looks is to be able to step up. So, you know, Brian, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been asked this question, like, who does this favor, right? Like, who, who mm-hmm. does this, this pause favor? Does it, does it, you know, a team like the Hawks that have won, right? And, again, we don't even know about Corey Crawford, but if everything is equal – you know, obviously the experience and having been there and done that, but you know, this isn't a normal year for any of us. I mean, let alone being in an NHL building with no fans and, and all of that. So how is that going to you know play into it? So it's a different game. I mean, look at some of the young guys on both teams, you know, not just the Blackhawks, but all teams in the national hockey league. I mean, these guys, this, this is for keeps here and you gotta be, you gotta have the willingness and want to, to play inside the dots. You can't play a perimeter game in the playoffs. And even though, it's unique. Uh, I've said for many, many years, uh, the rink shrinks in the playoffs. And uh, it seems like there's six guys on the ice for the other team because there is no room to maneuver. Now, maybe early. Now, maybe early it might not be that because everybody's just kind of feeling their way. But there is no time for experimenting, right? And so like, it, you got to have the want to to play inside the dots. You've got to play with pain. you got to, you know, you, you can't, you, you just got to find a way. And uh, whether it's if you're an offensive guy and you're supposed to chip in, well, just make sure the puck doesn't end up in your net uh, when you're out there. Like, if it's not going offensively, you better find a way to 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 contribute to the team because you just never know when a, a game is going to uh, turn 
let alone a series. Yesterday, Brent Seabrook said uh, he's not going to be a part of yeah. the 31 that go to Edmonton. He, he tried to push the envelope, get back after those three surgeries in December, January, and February. He just wasn't ready to go. He said yesterday, Edzo, I know I can be an impact player in this league. Uh, do you think he can be? He's got four years left on his deal. Does he still Does he still have some uh, some miles he's got, to skate he's got here? Game left. Yeah, he does. He does. And I think it's got to be in a situation for him where he knows exactly what his role is and this is where you're going to be. And look, it's not easy. I mean, look at, um, you know, Father time, mother time, doesn't matter. They're they're undefeated the last time I checked. And, you know, Seuss is not the same player that he was. But man, oh, man, he's got the want to. And just finding that, you know, finding that right role, right? You know, whether he's a, you know, whether he's a five or whether he's a six or, you know, maybe he's a guy that goes in and out every, you know, five or six games. And that, that's just, that's the reality of it. But look, at I think a guy like him, and I can relate, you know, because look, at at the end of my career, uh, I wasn't an overly quick player, and I started realizing that oh man, like you know, like I got to find a way. I got to be able to do other things to be able to hang around, you know, a little bit longer. Now, I mean, we had no salary cap back in the day, and, and all of those things that play into these decisions. But I think you find out, and Seed certainly knows that he's a bright, bright guy, one of the most important guys that this team has had over the course of the last fifteen years, without question. Is just understanding that you know what sometimes guys like that. Need to uh, need to play, you know what I mean? Like they, they need to get out there and get the the motor running and everything. And and uh, it's it's not an easy, it's not an easy time in any player's career when you have a lot of injuries and you're playing through injuries and then you have the surgeries or whatever. So look, and I'm sure it was a a team decision, uh, you know, along with Brent Seabrook to just say, okay, look at he tried, and I think he sent a great message to those young players inside that dressing room. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think when. You see what he's gone through, and this guy is all of a sudden, you know, practicing and skating and trying to give it a go. Um, I think that's accountability, and I don't think that you can put a price tag on that with those young players in that room. So, you know, what's going to happen moving forward? Uh, that's a good question. I know he wants to play. I've, I've talked to Seeds quite a bit over the pause. Uh, there's a great one two there, and uh, we'll see how this thing all plays out moving forward. But um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not easy when you're, when you're an older guy, but I, I still believe he can help. Um, it's just a matter if, uh, you know, if, if the puzzle, uh, if the piece of the puzzle fits. Hey, Ed, so I've seen it written that the, uh, you know, some people dismiss all these playoffs, NBA, NHL, because mm-hmm. of the situation and, and the formats and all. But I've seen it written where this NBA title could be the most difficult to win. Is that does that apply to hockey? Is it different? Or once that puck drops, it's just playoff hockey? Well, I think that needs to be the mindset, Bri. Um, look at whoever gets the cup and award in at the end of, you know, at the end of September, early October, then, you know, you tip your hockey helmet to them and look at everybody's on an even playing field. I mean, you got teams that were in 10th, 11th, 12th place when the pause happened and, and they got an opportunity here. And obviously the Blackhawks are one of those teams. So, like I said earlier, in conversing with a lot of people, it's, it's why not us? But, you know, look, it's, it's the world we're living in. And, you know, and I would say nobody signed up for this, obviously. Uh, but when it comes to sports, and in particular hockey, I don't think anybody's going to look back and go, ah, well, it was tainted because, well, no. I mean, this is what was on the schedule, and all you can do is play who's on your schedule and, and play your games and win your games. But I think once the guys get there, and they start playing. I was really thinking about this, and, I, and I'm going to get to the bubbles at some point. Uh, I don't know when exactly, but I, I kind of it, it's going to be 
sure it's going to take these guys back. Um, and I, and I know it would take myself back because I put myself in the shoes of, of the players is when they get to the hotel, they're going to be running into guys from every team when they're in the hotel, walking by them or, or whatever, you know, cause they're mm-hmm. all, you know, everybody's going to be in a small little area, whether they're all staying at the same hotel or not, you guys get my trip. You're going to have four or five teams in, in one hotel. It's going to be like when they were 12 years old traveling, <laughs> you, know, forever, and then, you know, you got the hockey hotel. And then when they check in, they're going to get that note from the front desk and the parents are going to have to sign and go, no shitty or stick hockey <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> after, after 10 o'clock, leave your, Leave your shinny. I'm better careful how I say it. Yeah, easy now. TV in four months. Or keep your shinny sticks in your room. Uh, you will be fined uh, $10, $10 if you're caught playing shinny in the hallway. So, look, at, I think the guys will relish it. I do. I think that they know that there's a lot there. And, again, I, I would say this. If I was involved with a team, uh, I, I would look at this as what an opportunity for our community, right? Like what an opportunity to help galvanize the sports base, the fan base in, in Chicago, right? Like playing for a cause, you know, again, we, we know what the real world is. And if we can, again, as a broadcaster, if I can take people away from the real world a week from today, just take away from what's going on and entertain people with the broadcast and, and call the Blackhawks Oilers game on channel five next week. Um, that That's my role. And I think as a part of a team, it's like, look at, yeah, this is us. This is our team. This is what this is. But, Here's an opportunity to help our community, right? Make, make people take notice of what's going on here, and maybe you can just you know, make people feel good about themselves because we all know what's going on in the real world. Well, we look forward to your call with uh, Pat Foley and Doc Emmerich on the uh, NBC Sports family of networks. Uh, this has got to be the biggest packing job you've ever done, right? <laughs> How many, I how many suitcases? The, uh, I am on the verge of uh, probably having to pay about $5,000 in overweight baggage for, for the sure. first time at United Airlines. So, Well, Angela, um, remember, remember, you know, the first half of those uh, circus trips were Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver, and then you were in L.A. <laughs> and Phoenix. So you had, like, winter clothes and then yeah, shorts exactly. and golf clothes. Yeah. You, you were you were bringing the uh, you were bringing the the, uh, the the ski hut, and then you had the banana hammock in your pocket. I mean, it was just like... <laughs> <laughs> It didn't matter, but look, look at it. Look at it. I, I'm going east, and then I'm going straight north, and then I'm going, I'm going west. So I'm packing for, I'm packing for a few days. I'm really looking forward to it. And the guys, I just want to say, uh, I'm proud to be on here for a first time grandfather. My oldest son Eddie, a couple of weeks oh, ago, congratulations. Him and his wife Erica uh, gave uh, gave all of us a uh, a granddaughter. Uh, Audrey Marie was born on July seventh, and. Uh, we're really looking forward to, I mean, we've seen her a bunch of times, but obviously in the world we're living mm. in, uh, we can't hold her, we can't kiss her, we can't hug her, we can't smell her. But as I told my wife, the lovely and talented Diana Olchek, I said, we're going to make up for it when we get on the right side of this. So that's my goal when I get back is hopefully we'll be on the right side of this and I can uh, I can introduce myself to my granddaughter daughter face-to-face and give her a big kiss on her cheek. Well, congrats, congrats Gramps. Uh, have a good run. <laughs> and and... Bet a double for her today. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, all we're doing is betting seven, seven doubles for her the rest of her life. That's all right. <laughs> Sounds good, Edzo. We'll uh, we'll talk to you over the next hey, uh, few back, weeks. Guys, love you guys. And if you need me when we're uh, when we're going through this thing, just uh, you know, give me a shot and we'll figure it out. You're that the is, best. That is a great okay, Eddie boys, Olchek thanks. joining us on the Hockey Show. And the Hockey Show is presented by Coors Light. Be prepared for the playoffs by making a beer run from your couch. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment. 
Made to Chill. The Hockey Show is coming back after this. You're listening, listening. to The Hockey Show. Show. Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. Ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen. Back on the Hockey Show on ESPN1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios. Our thanks to the one and only Eddie Olchek, Grandpa Grandpa Olchek, for joining us. And I don't know if you heard this uh, over the pause, but Brian, uh, we've got an addition coming to the uh, the Hockey Show family. Did you, you hear tell. Eric Ostrowski and his wife Madison are uh, expecting their first child? Outstanding. When is the yes. due date? The due date is December 3rd. So once hockey starts back up again, I'll be coming a dad here soon. How about that? I'm pumped. I really am. Well, we're a girl. We already know that too. So there you go. On the way. Excellent. Did you, did you have the uh, reveal, the gender reveal? Did you do something special for that? We we did it. Obviously small because not many people. So it was just a few of my family members, and they had like bottles of silly string, like with blue or pink. And then on three, they all sprayed us with silly string at once. There you go. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we know what you were up to over the quarantine. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> people wondered if there'd be more babies uh, born in the next few months or more divorces. So we'll find out after the quarantine. Well, we're going to find home order. We're going to find out a lot about this uh, Blackhawks <laughs> team this week. We'll reconvene next Saturday, Brian. Uh, stay healthy and safe, and we'll get ready for the Blackhawks and the Oilers. In game one of the qualifying round, which is a week from today, we'll break it all down for you. Coming up next week on the Hockey Show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Coming up next, it's Freddie Hubner and Jeff Meller. They'll take you from 10 to noon on ESPN 1000.